Diana, hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here again today. Thank you for having me back on. I've been looking forward to this since two weeks ago, our last show. That was so fun. That was so fun. And I feel like it broke, revealed, I should say, um, it revealed a lot of questions that I feel like I have and that you and I kind of talked about after the show. It's like, we should do a quick little series on some Bible verses that are kind of commonly misunderstood. Yes, this is so important because the chief (laughs) master of taking Bible verses out of context was who? Satan. (laughs) Right. Like Matthew chapter four. I mean, that's what always comes to mind when I hear the term taken out of context, because he knew scripture, not just, you know, concepts of scripture or the gist of certain passages. He was quoting verbatim different things to Jesus. Um, So I would say, I mean, he probably knows the Bible better than the majority of people on this earth today, but he knows it so he can use it to abuse it and to pervert it and deceive people. So that's why we have to be so on our guard, not just to say that's a lie or that's wrong, but to know the truth, just like Jesus did. He was able to refute the lie and replace it with truth. So that's why we're doing this today so that we can really <laughs> delve into and take a deep dive into some of these scriptures that are quite commonly, like you said, abused and um, misused. Misused. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's definitely one of his favorite, you know, plays out of his playbook for sure. And um, I feel like we have to do kind of what you just said, what would Jesus do? Well, he would, he would know it and no, pour, he would fix it and put truth in. And that's where hopefully you and I can help our listeners, but also help each other and just keep each other strong through that endeavor is just um, knowing context and knowing where it comes from. And that's where we get to invite our listeners and then us back to the word. So like we said last time, you know, we are not experts in this. We are just passionate about the Bible and we are asking you, begging you, calling you, inviting you to come back to the Word with us and do your own study as well and um, read things in context and don't just take our word for it, but really go back to the Word of God itself. And um, anyway, well, let's get started. Um, One of my personal favorites to talk about is, um, because I hear it a lot in the fitness world, is, you know, do not judge or you too will be judged. It's like Matthew 7 uh, verses 1 and 2, but I think we can break it down a little bit more, but even, you know, do you not, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and, and not look at your own, the plank in your own eye? And I think that sometimes for me too, it's like, well, we're not supposed to judge others. Okay. But yes, we're not supposed to judge their character and things like that, judge their heart maybe, or judge their soul. But there are certain, I always say, and maybe you'll have an opinion about this, but one thing is like, judge the behavior, not the person. Yeah. but there is bad behavior and we can say like that is right or wrong. But um, anyway, what do you think about that verse? That one's a hefty one to start with, but what about Matthew seven? Oh yeah. One and two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, and, and anyone saying, Hey, don't judge, don't say that. Cause you're judging. What are they doing when they're saying that they're judging <laughs> you? Yeah. They're judging they're, you. They're, they're making a judgment call. Yes. And- any one of us would say we're thankful for the judicial system. Okay. Yes. I know it's corrupted in many cases, but we're thankful that there are people who can say, Oh, that person robbed a store. That was wrong. There's going to be a consequence. Like in general, if there was no 
judgment on wrong behavior, we would there would be anarchy way beyond what we see today. Um, so anyway, we we need judgment. We need judges. There's a whole book in the Bible called Judges. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are certain criteria for making judgments, and what Jesus was saying in that passage was not don't judge the fruit because later on he says in Matthew 12 um, that either make the tree good and it's fruit good or make the tree bad and it's fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. So you may have heard, you know, don't be a judge, be a fruit inspector. But another thing I love that he said, and this is in that same passage in, in Matthew seven, he talks about removing the log that's in your own eye. So you see a speck in your other or in someone's eye, you want to remove it. And you don't even realize, however, that you have a plank or a log protruding from your own eyeball. So the heart of this passage is hypocrisy. Before we make any kind of judgment call on that sin, that's false teaching, that's false doctrine, that, you know, whatever we're calling out, we have to evaluate our own hearts and see how ridiculous we often are with, excuse me, when we are in the wrong and something in our life, but yet we're pointing something. This has happened to me countless times with, um, I think a lot of the time it's when you're struggling with something, you're more apt to see it in other people because it's just on your radar. So, um, this would be a whole other podcast episode. I say a lot, but with my eating disorder struggles, you know, as a, a teen and early adult or young adult, I would pick up on little behaviors I would see with other people like, oh, she isn't, you know, she's eating, she's cutting her food into really tiny bites. She's probably anorexic, you know, making that kind of judgy because yeah. I would do that being anorexic. I would make sure my food was cut up really tiny and, or I would just drink lots of water or move my food around the plate to make it look like I was eating but I would make judgments on people, you know, usually silently, but still it's, it's sinful even to think about things like that and not realize the log in my own eye, which is my own behavior. So all that to say, we have to be very careful to first take inventory. Like I said, take stock of our own sin in our lives before we take it upon ourselves to try to, you know, call something out in someone else. Um, but there's also, you know, we're told to, let me see in my notes. I had a note I wanted to, to, to pour out or to, to share. While uh, you look for that, it reminds me of when people, when you say, don't point your finger. Because uh-huh. anytime you point your finger, you have three more pointing back at yourself, <laughs> you know. So let those three fingers guide you back to the log in your own eye. Like, check in. Are you being hip- hypocritical about anything? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then, so there's a few uh, when we break the command not to judge is when we're thinking the worst of others too. Like when mm-hmm. we're, yeah, just jumping to conclusions or trying to make a whole um, judgment about someone's life based on one mistake they're making. Um, when we judge the hidden motives of others, thinking that we're jumping from one thought to the next to the next. Um, when we judge others without considering ourselves and their circumstances, this is a huge one because We break this command to judge not when we think the worst of others, when we speak to others of their faults, when we judge an entire life by its worst moments, when we judge the hidden motives of others, 
and when we judge others without considering ourselves and their circumstances. And I think that's a big one that we can all say, yes, I've done that. When we look at people that are, um, you know, going through something we've never even imagined going through, whether it's losing a child or having a spouse who like we've, we've, we know one person right now, the spouse is in prison for something he did uh, or he didn't do. Right. It's a hor- speaking of justice, it's like a huge um, scandal um, of injustice, but things that are dealing with cancer, dealing with, um, you know, a rebellious kid and how they're disciplining that kid, or even with my own small children having, you know, judgmental thoughts about other parenting techniques or homeschooling versus not homeschooling. And we make these judgment calls without considering or having empathy. You know, that's a huge, you know, word I know in psychology and therapy is being able to empathize with other people, but without being in people's position, another person's position, you can't truly empathize. So you have to go to scripture and compare everything with what the Bible says about the sin that you're detecting or perceiving, but having that ability to step back and say, okay, if I was in this position, how would I be feeling? You know, if I was dealing with this, what would my, would I be more responsive or less responsive to someone saying this to me? So it's all about being gracious also in the way that we convey um, our concerns when we call out sin, like just like in this podcast, when we were talking, or last uh, couple of weeks ago, we were talking about new thought, new age, word of faith, the way that you and I are um, striving to talk about this is not in like a mean spirited, hateful, um, judgmental way, but like I think it's in Second Peter or First Peter three, yeah, First Peter three fifteen, it says to do make your defense with gentleness and respect. Yes. And, and, and today, especially in the internet age, you know, where it's so easy to be a keyboard warrior and just yeah. be inflammatory and, you know, hide behind your screen. It's so easy to lose that gentleness and to lose that, that respect. Um, yes. So I think when you, again, reading, we talked about last time, never read a Bible verse, meaning <laughs> read before the verse and after the verse and take things and and the context, you know, with which it was in the spirit with which it was intended in the context. Um, so, and then, uh, and Matt, going back to Matthew 12 with him, Jesus saying, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. We have a very good indication of who follows Jesus by how they live their life. And that doesn't mean yeah. we have the power to condemn or to write people off or that we see ourselves as better, um, it, it means that we're able to say what sin is so we can show people a better way in Christ. So pointing out false teachings and lies, it doesn't mean it's a personal attack on the author or the speaker or whoever's posting. We're not saying that we're sinless or are condemning them to hell, but it's saying like, here's this lie, here's this truth, and we should be constantly, again, taking stock of our own hearts with, like, humility. Humility, empathy, prayer. Like, these are, like, I think some of the three huge words. Praying about it, being humble, and trying to sympathize, empathize as best we can. Yeah. Hum- I'm glad you said that, too, about the humility and also, you know, 
also what you said about grace too, but really praying about it and praying for them. Because I do believe in the power of intercessory prayer, praying for that person and, and recognizing that you said it a minute ago, like, well, if you were in their shoes or if you were them, and that's the thing, if I was in the situation, I would be doing, say, if I was in that situation, what would I do? But, but often people say, well, if I was them, I would be doing this. If I was her, I would do this. Well, no, if you were her, you would literally be her. You would have her same parents, her same situation, her same upbringing. You had gone through every mile in her shoes and you would be doing what she's doing because you would be her, you know, and that, that's why it's so easy for us to say, well, if I were her and it's yeah. like, no, you would be her. And, and yeah. as with yeah. your upbringing and the, the way you understand things. So I think that is where, like you said, it's great to be <clears throat> humble, gracious, prayerful about it. Pray for her, pray for yourself, pray for understanding, pray for empathy. Uh, so anyway, thank you. That's a huge call to action for us to, yes. you know, really build character within and, um, who was it? Carl Jung, I think, who said that which irritates us about someone else is bringing you awareness about yourself. So I'm just so thankful that you really brought all of that to our awareness that, you know, to to really break down these things and see, well, why is that pricking me so much? Why does that bother me? Oh, what am I processing and how can I pray for them and be a great um how can I show Christ's love for this person in yes, this situation? It's all about- yeah, it's all about showing unconditional love, but not unconditional approval. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I guess we could talk about this verse the whole, oh, the whole time. The we whole time. I know. Seriously. <laughs> but okay, just well, one more, I just want to share one more example yeah. from scripture of an unjust judgment. And that was the disciples' condemnation of the woman who came to anoint Jesus' feet with oil in Matthew 26. And the disciple, I think it might have been Judas, you'll have to check me, but Judas, you know, was the, the man in the group in charge of the money, kind of like the treasurer. But he said, or one of them said, this perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor, you know, so he was making a judgment mm. on this woman who used this expensive oil or perfume to anoint Jesus's feet. And, you know, they thought that she was wasting this that could have been used you know, for a better, better, you know, service. And Jesus said she had done a good work that would always be remembered. Mm-hmm. And they had a harsh, you know, rash, unjust judgment. But Jesus is saying, you know, she's going to go down in history. And she is. Her story's in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> About how she took some, it was a sacrifice for her, you know, yeah. to, to do this. And a way of showing her deep love and devotion, gratitude, um, so I, I love that that's in the Bible because it does show, you know, a great example of how we often are the same way, judging people with, with how they're expressing love or using their money. And again, having that, um, that, that log in their own eye at the same time. Wow. That's powerful. I'm, I forgot about that story and I'm so thankful you brought that to my, the front, the forefront of my brain. <laughs> that one's a good one. And I'm glad she is too. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Well, another one I want to talk about is John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I come, Jesus was talking here. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I feel like whenever I was really getting hot and heavy with the, uh, 
new age, new thought, a little bit of this um, thinking abundant thoughts and having the abundant life. And a lot of the books I was reading, uh, they used this a lot and in the prosperity gospel and things like that too. But do you, that was always, I was like, yeah, well, Jesus himself said it, you know, and, and I could, that gave me some little bit of peace, but it also gave me a little bit of ickiness because I felt in my spirit Maybe he didn't mean the abundant life I was thinking, you know, sometimes I was, and not that God doesn't want us to, we can have an abundant life in Christ. And that could include what the world calls abundance also. So it's not like it can't or it doesn't, but I think sometimes your motivation, you have to really check your motivation when you're praying some of these prayers. I don't know. Do you have, do you have any opinions about that verse? Cause that one kind of gives me Yes, sometimes. <laughs> yes, we don't. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these verses, like, yeah, that's true. We agree with, you know, God wants us to have an abundant life. Or, yes, God does. Um, oh, gosh, there's another one. But, I mean, for instance, the verse we talked about with, like, the fruit, what was it, in, uh, Proverbs 18, out of the mouth, I'm sorry, out of the mouth the heart speaks, that's one. But all these have... There's truth in everything, but not everything is true. Have you heard that? Yes, I've heard that. It's a great one. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. <laughs> but it's like, but there's a cheap imitation of abundance. So the way we define words is very different as believers in the way that the world and these different new age philosophies are defining words. So um, abundant life, the word of faith version is a very cheap imitation of what Jesus is talking about here. Mm. Like my son, Isaiah um, recently we were playing with his toy food and he like brought me a toy skillet and he's like, here, mommy, you can make eggs with my toy skillet this morning. And I had like my egg carton out with like my real eggs <laughs> and he brings Aww. me this little like uh, wooden Melissa and Doug skillet. Oh, really cute. But you know, it's a, it's an imitation of the real thing. It's not going to do the same job. Um, Anyway, I say that to say that the abundant life that Jesus came to give us is far, it far surpasses the abundant life that the prosperity gospel and the you know word of faith teachers are promising. Um, and in John ten ten, in context, it talks about Jesus as this good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep in verse eleven. So it's like the very next verse. So this mm -hmm. describes Jesus as someone who is incredibly humble, dying for others, a premature, agonizing death. So even just in Jesus' example, abundant life isn't about prosperity in this life immediately. It's not about your best life now. It's about your best life forever. Um, and that's, you know, it's something that if you don't really have a, uh, a concept of your eternity. You're not convinced that you're an eternal being or you are just living for the now, then that doesn't, you're not really encouraged that you have your best life forever. Cause you're like, well, all I have is now, you know, YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> but when you have an eternal mindset and you do believe the Bible that we are eternal beings and our soul and our spirit are going to endure forever, then you can go to scriptures that say that, our troubles here are light and momentary compared to the glory, which will be revealed in us. And we can look to other scriptures as well about heaven and the glory of being in our glorified bodies and the abundant life of being in Jesus presence forever without any sin, without any shame, without any devil 
that's abundant life, but the abundant life is more of a, a spiritual abundance versus a physical material abundance. And then we, I talked about these verses in our last interview, but Luke 12, 15, he says to watch out and guard yourself from all types of greed because our one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then Luke 12, 22, he says, life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. So there's this theme of de-emphasizing the stuff. <laughs> yeah. And there's so, I like that phrase, sowing and reaping, um, considering the ravens, but the sow and reap is a different kind of sowing and reaping than is often used again in the word of faith, where you sow the seed financially or sow it with your words, and you're going to reap back way more than you, you know, gave or, or sowed. Is that the right past tense? Sowed? <laughs> but um, with the birds, consider the ravens, they're not working hard. They're not having to do anything to have enough of what they need because God always, he promises to provide according to our needs, not our wants necessarily, but our needs will always be met so that we are freed then to focus on our giving which we'll get into with the next verse, I think. But um, yeah, abundant life is an eternal relationship with God and um, prosperity preachers. They talk a lot about things that are going to pass away. And I really like the analogy of uh, Pharaoh's tomb. I often think about that saying that you never see a hearse going to the funeral or to the cemetery with a U-Haul behind it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't take it with you. Yeah. <laughs> The pharaohs, you know, they were buried in their sarcophagus or their tomb. They were in the sarcophagus, I guess. But the tomb that they were buried with had pots, combs, um, like slate pallets for their eyeshadow, gold, jewelry, statues that they believed that they were going to take with them. And guess what? Like they've been Mm -hmm. dug up by archaeologists. (laughs) We don't take any of this with us. The only thing we take with us are you know the the is the impact it's nothing material it's the legacy we leave behind on this earth and the souls that we can bring you know to christ through our own testimony yes absolutely um it's so powerful and and again like i said it's not to say that we might not have beautiful things and wonderful things and abundance of earthly wealth as well but that can't be that wasn't what he was talking about. And I think we misconstrue that often, but another one that I was finding in those scriptures or the, yeah, the scriptures, but being misconstrued. And whenever I was reading some of these books was like, um, that just that the, therefore I, tell you whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark and 11, Matthew 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This and it's just whatever it's, you give, you get back. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the word of faith too, is what you told us your testimony about your dad too. Like, well, I didn't believe enough or I didn't believe whatever. And so I was like, I would believe for things. It's like, you have to believe it to see it. 
a lot of people say you have to see to believe, but you have to believe it to see it. And so be- believing whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And, but I feel like a lot of people in the word of faith and the, um, all of that really kind of misconstrue that a little bit because it puts it all onto us that we are, yes, we are co-creators with God, but that we are like little gods, a creative power, the way you explained it last time on our last podcast. And that was, that's what makes me think of a lot of those just now in what we just talked about that the abundant life. And if you believe for it enough, you'll have it. And it's what the world says is abundance. And those get misconstrued and put together a lot in what I've seen. Yeah. Well, do you want to go ahead and jump to those verses? That's yeah, we can. Or um, we can talk. I, you did mention about the Acts 20, 35, and I think I just skipped it. Yeah, <laughs> Let's so talk about those, that one those, first. Those go together. It is, more yeah. blessed, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that pairs together with that Mark eleven twenty four and Matthew 21, 22. Um, but yeah, the Matthew, oh. Mark eleven twenty four. whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and it'll be yours. And I just want to say about that, that faith is a huge factor in prayer, but it's not, it's not the only factor. (laughs) Like you have to look at, to get the overall message of something, you need to understand, like it's all the truths about a thing that help us understand it thoroughly. You can't just take one truth and then make your, you know, form your idea about that. So we look at other scriptures about prayer and about faith and then you can make a doctrine around that but it'd be like me trying to you know we're both um trainers have been working out for a long time so I'll use a fitness analogy (laughs) yeah it'd be like me giving you like a squat squatting instructions and all I told you okay Marquette this is how you squat okay separate your feet so they're shoulder width apart and that's like all I said (laughs) yes more to squatting than that you also have to like send your hips back like keep your chest up weight in your heels like so on and so forth so if you're only looking at pray in faith then you're only going to pray you're only going to know that one aspect versus oh, wow that's a great analogy yeah like james 4 3 says if we ask to fulfill our own pleasures then we ask amiss mm. 1 John 5.14 says, we learn that God hears us uh, when we pray according to his will. So you have two things that you can add to praying in faith, is praying not to fulfill our own pleasures and praying according to his will. And then like the ultimate example of prayer, of course, is the Lord's prayer. And what does Jesus say? Your will be done. Yes. So if you're only praying in faith, like I can pray all day long in faith that I'm going to win the lottery. (laughs) But yeah. But if I'm not, if that's not God's will, and that's obviously probably according to my own, like no matter how I want to spend that money, I mean, I might want to spend it altruistically, but chances are I'm going to want to spend it on myself. Like that's according to my pleasures. It's, and I'm not praying your will be done. I was like, oh gosh, and, or God in faith, I'm praying that I win the lottery today. I have faith for it, Lord, please give me, you know, that's, that's not scriptural. Right. The bottom line is that Again, it's all the truths about a thing that help us understand it thoroughly. And uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, make your requests known unto God, not your demands, your requests. And if it's in alignment with his will, then yes. And you're asking it in faith, believing that God does have the best in mind for you according to his glory and your good, then you will receive it. Oh, thank you so much for breaking that down. So powerful. Oh, you're welcome. I hope that helps. (laughs) 
It helps. It helps a lot. And you can see how they can get really misconstrued. Um, like with the, I just wanted to emphasize here that the words are very powerful. Um, like super important, obviously. And we have the words of God in scripture. Like those are the most important, most powerful words. And like taking them out of context is just, I think we're seeing how dangerous it can be. <laughs> mm. So we need to let God say what he says and, you know, know that he, he does care when we twist them to our own purposes instead of his. Um, so I think just any time that we're unsure about a certain scripture or something doesn't sound right that we hear from a preacher or any, or even myself, you know, take it back to God's word because his word is living and active. Like we talked about last week too. And it, the Bible usually interprets itself if you read enough of it. Oh, yes, totally. What a good reminder. So the last one, we, we can do this quickly. We'll challenge ourselves here. Um, Matthew <laughs> 7, 7, and then Matthew 21, 22. Um, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then Matthew 21, 22 says, if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And this is, I think, I mean, I, you probably know more about um, how this has been applied, you know, within the new age, because I know that you were, you know, read, you wrote a lot of kind of new age books too. And this has informed your own understanding of how these scriptures are, you know, misused. But mm -hmm. um, these verses are used by, I think, new agers quite a bit. Are they not? Oh, Yes. Definitely. Big time. And Esther, do you know who Esther Hicks is? Yes. So she channels a group of consciousness, um, this entity called Abraham. Mm. And Abraham said to her, um, we are that which you are. You are the leading edge of which we are. We are that which is at the heart of all religion. So I'm just saying that to kind of frame who she is. She's talking to this entity. I would probably call it demons. <laughs> yeah. Receive these, um, you know, these teachings, but, um, they, the, the Esther Hicks believes that desirable manifestations like money, relationships, lifestyle, um, like lifestyle success are byproducts of focusing on joy. So like there's this real emphasis in joy, um, that the basis of life is freedom, joy, um, that people are creators, that they create with their thoughts, attention, and their frequency. Um, but the general idea to expose here is this idea that God just giving us whatever we want is um, it's just absurd. It'd be like thinking, like that Bruce Almighty movie, did you see that with Jim Carrey? And he becomes God, but he's sitting at his computer and he's getting all these emails from people asking him. That's how the prayer request would come to him is through the email, I guess. But, <laughs> His fingers are just going like a million miles per hour because he's just saying like, yes, to everyone. Yes, 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 yes. And I think about as a parent, if I just let my children have anything they wanted, like how absurd a thought is that, that we have no rationale, you know, for anything that we decide for our children or when they come to us and ask, oh, sure, you can go stick your finger in that outlet for fun. You can go swim in the pool when it's lightning outside. You can go ride your bike, you know, wherever you want, you know, don't have to be home till 12 o'clock tomorrow. You know, it's just, it's yeah. so if we, if you apply that to God, of course he's not, he's a, he's a much better father than the best earthly father there is on this earth. So he's, 
he is just and good and not giving us whatever we think is good for us or that we desire. Um, so I think that those are pretty easy verses to sort of dismiss as being taken out of context when you think of it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the law of attraction, I think, can turn people into pretty selfish people because it teaches that whatever you want, you just have to keep wanting and wanting and that you're a powerful being or center of the universe. And so eventually you're going to have what you want. So it becomes this form of self idolatry. And James 4, 3 again says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. Mm. You may spend what you get on your pleasures. So when we're praying, it's a place of yielding where we offer requests, but we, we're ultimately bending to God's will. And again, Jesus models for this for us in Gethsemane when he says, not my will, but your will be done. And I think that, you know, was definitely included for our sake because it's just really easy to, to pray for our will to be done. Yeah. Um, and so my son actually prays. We're teaching him the Lord's Prayer. And because we've been saying thy, he has heard it as my. So he'll be like, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be my name. My <laughs> kingdom come. We're like, it's not my, it's thy. <laughs> yeah, really. His <laughs> kingdom come. God's kingdom come. <laughs> yes, right. His God's will be done. Yes. Oh, that's so powerful. And it's, I've started praying that prayer a lot more too, because it's, I grew up on the prayer, but really when you really break it down, when Jesus taught it, um, you know, you just start going, it's a lot more powerful than you realize as a kid. And um, it's great to come back to that. And I'm glad you've called us back to that prayer as well, just on these shows. And speaking of shows, we've got to do some more shows. This is so exciting. We'll do a little series, but also, you know, anyone listening now, do you have any requests? Do you have any verses that you've heard out of context or that have kind of given you a little bit of a feeling an icky feeling in your gut you know we want to hear your thoughts text us email us you know let us know send us a dm on instagram but um we would love to break some of these down too so if you have any requests please let us know but definitely more to come and then um any last words diana before we end uh i guess you know going back to this last verse or these last group of verses we're talking about that um even the apostle paul you know was given that thorn in his flesh that he prayed, you know, three times that it would be removed. And God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So Paul's humility was more important than his prosperity or sense of well-being. And God, this might be hard to follow, but God cares more about our character than he does our physical health. Like he would rather us have a better witness for him in this life and more quote unquote success cycle than be the most wealthy or even healthy person on the planet, you know, because the wealth yeah. and the health passes away. Absolutely. God is saying, Paul, I want you to be weak because when you're weak, you rely on my grace for your life. And it's my strength that enables you to get through those hard times. And I'm glorified and that. So just, we all, I think all have thorns in our flesh at any point in time. Some of them will be removed. Some of them are here to stay, but give glory and praise to God for that. Cause he's allowing that for a very specific purpose. Absolutely. Strengthen our character. Well, amazing. Oh gosh. Well, we've just scratched the surface. So you guys 
buckle up, stay with us and stay tuned. And Diana, thank you for your wisdom and your eloquent way of explaining things. And I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Okay. Talk to you soon. Great weekend. Okay. You too. Bye.